Welcome back to another episode of the Millennium Live podcast. We're doing a great partnership series, and we're on our way to 250 episodes since we launched the podcast in 2018. So happy to have all of you listeners, and we have a great episode today, which is going to be focused on patient data at the point of care, when and how you need it most. We have a, a partner with us with a great platform that provides operational relief and eliminates administrative burden and uh to talk all about this we have a we have a very interesting guest to bring on the show as ceo of holland solutions john zimmerman is responsible for setting the overall strategic direction of holland solutions and its holland community platform which improves operational efficiency care quality and the provider experience by liberating the data John joins Holland after serving as president of Virens Health, which was acquired by GE, uh, which was acquired from GE by Veritas Capital in 2018 and is now part of Athena Health. And while at GE, John led the turnaround of value-based care solutions portfolio. His career spans more than 35 years, and I'm just uh, extremely happy to have John on the podcast. John. Welcome, uh, welcome to Millennium Live. It's uh, it's great to have you here. It's really great to be here, and thank you for your time today. And happy to answer and discuss anything that's on the agenda. So appreciate this uh, opportunity. Millennium does a phenomenal job of getting the right parties together in good dialogue to make progress. Well, well said, and and thank you. And uh, let's just dive right into it, John. And uh, just to kick things off, I think it'd be great to uh, kind of get a little bit more of a background on you and where that passion comes from and and uh, maybe what, how you got to being a CEO of Holland. Well, it is a long story. Thank you for reminding me how long I've been at it. Uh, but the, the, the essential challenge that I've always found, I'm a, I'm a habitual problem solver and a bit of an engine, an industrial engineer in my DNA. And it's unfortunate how uh, inefficient our healthcare system overall is. So after all the work that I had the opportunities, the great opportunities to serve lots of customers and, and partners at IBM, Siemens, GE, it really comes down to one thing. How do you make life better for providers so they can make life better for the people and the patients that they serve. He or she who gets to do that is doing a really good service. And I, I absolutely delight in working with providers as they work within their ecosystems to, again, help make their lives better. It's good for everybody. It's the right thing to do. And it's never been more necessary. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that leads me to the question about, um, you know, taking care of healthcare workers because uh, they're burnt out right now. And uh, there's a, probably a few uh, interesting factors that are leading to this and contributing to it. So, John, could you go over some of the uh, some of the top ones that are affecting uh, providers right now in terms of burnout? Yeah, it's a, as you stated, it's a factor of multiple things. But one of the things that we can deal with is just to make their work easier. 
They live in very complex environments. We did a study back in 2020 before everybody knew that this burnout was happening, even before the Surgeon General's report. And we had a chance to figure out what's the one thing that we can focus on to make better. It's their lives. So what's making it so hard for them? I would argue it's sort of three things, okay? It's disconnected processes among care teams, whether they're in the same organization or operating across a community. So that disorganization of process. The second thing that goes with that is the complexity of their environment. They have to deal with multiple partners all around them. They have multiple things to do, value-based care, utilization management, stopping readmissions to hospitals. There's such a wide variety of things they have to do. And each one has its own individual set of information systems or services that they need to go and get. Okay. And so what we do is we say that should be eliminated in this time. We should Think about how to bring them what they need, not make them go look and guess. And the third thing is when they look and don't find or guess, unfortunately, there's a lot of times they don't get it completely right. So what does that do? Creates rework, which then doubles down on how much additional unnecessary work that they have to do. We can do better than that by really understanding what they need and serving them well. There's plenty of technology in the world that's how you apply it for the right purposes. So that's those are the things that are some of the key drivers, and we're starting to see some real relief happen. Right. And so, John, I want to talk a little bit about the technology that that can be used as a solution for this. And and uh, you know, from what you're seeing, what can organizations be doing right now to alleviate some some administrative burden that's uh, that healthcare workers are going through now to to relieve some of that burnout and to relieve some of that extra work so i think before you get into technology things you got to understand your own self so organizations need to do a little bit of introspection to try to understand where's the pain coming from? Just like you just asked me a minute ago, what is the source of their disconnects? What is the source of the unnecessary or burdensome work? Once you understand that, then you can start to move forward into applying technology that is actually empathetic and understands the user, what they're trying to do, and how to help them do what they need to do, not only for themselves, but within their care teams, as well as the patients that they serve. So that's a very standard process that we're seeing evolve, that you understand the problem first, you understand the environment, and then you start to create a solution that brings that relief and enables their rewards. So we know that there is a quite a big cost to burnout, but what about the overall economic impact of solving for this and solving for burnout? So let's talk about the sort of macroeconomic environment that has been created with what CMS is rightly doing about pushing everyone towards value-based care, okay? 
So if you unpack that to some degree, what you see is that there's a lot of appropriate economic incentives built into the system already. So that's really good, okay? What is not there is the um, smart flow of information to actually be able to realize those benefits. So when you start to provide the relief to the workers who are actually dealing within a lot of those payment structures, what magically happens, and it's not really magic, it's just logical, okay? Once you're able to get them to do the work that's necessary, the economic impacts are already built into the systems to be realized. For example, one of our providers is already closing more gaps by um, multi-digit percentages like 62 to 68% over another alternative, okay? And in so doing, they're being economically rewarded for it, as well as the health plan is meeting their objective as well. So there are these shared rewards that are built into the system. And once we start unlocking the burden from getting to those rewards, then they're unleashed. And that's the design of the system from a sort of a CMS payment model perspective. It's a good thing once you can get the unnecessary work out of the way. And that's where the economic value is actually being generated today. You mentioned something earlier, John, about, you know, there's a great phrase. Uh, we're trying to help the people who are helping people. And I saw that Holland describes itself as a human-centric technology company. And uh, that I'm curious about that. So how would how would you describe human centric technology? Um, we've built, and of course everybody has to say AI. We actually mean it, and we call it our A is assistive. It's assistive intelligence. In order to be assistive, you have to understand the user, their teammates, and their environment. So we never start with anything other than listening to and observing and understanding a practice's pain points. That's where the empathy comes in. What hurts? How does it work? Why does it have to work that way? It doesn't. Well, what if we were able to bring this to you instead of you having to fumble and look for it or miss it and have all the rework? So that's our emphasis on empathy. Okay, And that's how we know that when we bring something to someone, we also personalize it for their desired experience. So if we're empathetic to the problem and listen to what they want to have and how they want to behave within the systems that they, they live in, now we're actually making a difference for them. We've heard what they need. Our system is configured to understand them and bring them what they're looking for the way that they find it useful. Let's talk a little bit about um, some uh, some data silos in healthcare and uh, some issues that are going around on that. Um, how can health systems break down uh, information silos, and and specifically, how does that how does this relate to multi stakeholder collaboration? Well, thanks for asking. I, I think I'm going to be remain on this theme of you got to understand the work life of the end users who are actually trying to deliver care. 
the information silos, I think it's super important not to try to mash all the information together only. There's some good work that goes on there, but they often, the health systems often and the practices deal with multiple, multiple payers and other parties within their ecosystem. So we think that centralizing some of the reduction of information silos is a good thing to do, but probably impossible in the near-term future. However, if you give the users an experience that it doesn't all have to be homogenized, but it's delivered to them from these disparate sources within their ecosystem in a way that they find useful, to the end user, you've just eliminated all the silos. Even though they may still exist, they don't care and they don't need to care. What they need to do is to take care of the patients expertly well by getting the information from those silos into a useful format for them, okay? So I think it's, again, really important to do two things, to understand where the users are and do a little bit of a Pareto analysis Where's your 80-20? Where are the things that are going to move the needle the most and focus on those? Get quick wins with your biggest opportunities, and that will start a virtuous cycle that you'll continue to be able to improve over time. Let's talk a little bit about specifically Holland's, Holland Solutions and why a health system or an organization would bring a technology like that in. I'm sure... Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes across some of these, you know, the desks of providers. And uh, sometimes it's a little tricky and difficult to kind of switch through some of the technology. What is the motivation for health systems and other organizations to implement a platform like Holland? And, and specifically, you know, what are some of the ways that Holland stands out uh, to help alleviate the burden for their customers. I'm going to use a super important word that oftentimes gets underutilized, and the word is and, okay? Because the providers have to deal with many different parties. And in straightening out some of the workflow challenges that we talked about, multiple parties benefit. So we're also seeing a lot of emphasis happily so, rightfully so, coming from health plans as they try to relieve the burden on the provider networks that they have because typically they are quite vast and diverse. So they are equally motivated to participate and facilitate better operations at the provider network level. So what what this enables uh, this ecosystem to do is the the patients get benefit fundamentally from better and more comprehensive care, which actually keeps them out of risk corridors that they would otherwise fall into. That's a good thing for the patient and the health plan. At the same time, if you can do that with high efficiency and high empathy for the healthcare workers so they can actually focus on the things that they were trained to do and that they like to do versus chasing information around, that actually helps with some of the staffing crisis that is out there today and makes their work more attractive. So that's another benefit for them. And as I said before, and I think it's really worth repeating, not only does, does the um, 
uh, work get better and easier, the rewards in the system are already there. So the payers get an economic benefit, multiple economic benefits from both utilization management, quality management, as well as coding and uh, risk score accuracy. The, they share those rewards with the providers in their contracts. So now you're starting to create a real nice, virtuous cycle environment. So there are economic benefits, there are human benefits, and there are wellness benefits, all baked into getting the workflows better. Well, this has been awesome uh, learning about uh, the technology that's going to make life easier for those who serve us. And, and, and John, I want to switch gears a little bit and kind of look towards the future, if you want. Um, you know, Eddie, this, at least there's technology available. How is this going to look in the next decade? And is it going to improve? I mean, it should improve, but is it going to? Is there, have we reached a, a bottom in terms of the burnout crisis? How is this going to look, how it does now, maybe a year from now, and then within the next decade, 10 years from now? Okay, well, 10 years is a long time, but it gets here before you know it, okay? So <laughs> in a year from now, I believe that there will be multiple communities working within their communities. When I say that, I mean somebody like, like like Dallas, like here in Las Vegas. I know there's a lot of good stuff going on at the state level. Pittsburgh is a real shining star and uh, North Jersey, Miami. There's these pockets that are happening now. I feel very strongly there will be A, more pockets and B, more of those economic and empathetic uh, uh, value realizations and benefits they will be more evident. So that's where this virtuous cycle is going to really start to take off. And you'll see much more of that a year from now, because this is all pretty darn new. But I predict a lot more of that in a year. In 10 years from now, none of this will, will even be being discussed because it will have been solved. Okay. There's a lot of wonderful technology that keep coming faster and faster. And I happen to believe in the goodness of the good people who work in this industry, that we are going to find ways to apply, super important, apply these technologies to create the appropriate closed loops and the information burdens that exist today because they've been built up over the last 30 to 40 years are going to go away because there will be much smarter assistive intelligence that'll be ubiquitous everywhere, okay? You know, 10, 20 years ago, nobody would have thought that you'd be watching movies on your phone, okay? Well, that's where we're going to be in healthcare. And there's some great leaders who are making some great strides, big kudos to Best Buy, for example, for them putting all their chips in, a, you know, enabling home care with uh, technologically smart environments, that's the beginning of another great wave. So my hope, my belief is that in 10 years, we're going to forget that we even had these problems, but we'll be, you know, the systems will now be working for the people as opposed to the people working for the systems. Well, that's great news. And uh, I, I definitely hope you're right, John. And I think uh, a great way to end uh, the podcast is, is to continue looking towards the future. But if, if those solutions 
are provided and those problems are solved, what do you think, um, how do we get to the uh, golden age of healthcare delivery? What, is, what does that look like in the future? It looks continuous and effortless. It, it, we have so much, so much great monitoring information that's going on now. One of the other things that's really starting to take off, I'm really proud to be part of the work to enable it, is pharmacogenetics testing. That is an emerging area of science that, you know, I remember when Blue Gene from IBM was trying to figure out how to decode uh, human DNA. Well, that's 15 years ago. Today, it's there's a whole battery of tests that are so important to many disease states, so they can so the physicians can choose the medicines that are just right for me. Well, that flow is going to happen. We're starting to do that now. Okay, so when I look ahead and I say, "What's the golden age of information delivery?" I guess my thinking is going to be that nobody even knows it's happening. Everybody is going to be having the appropriate signals given to their healthcare environment and their instructions that are personalized for them will be coming to them. And that's where that's where there's clear direction happening now. And that's going to take some journeys. It's going to take some time. And it's going to start with multi-stakeholder collaboration figuring out how to get the burdens out of the way so the great levels of science and empathetic delivery can take prominence and lead us into a much better future. The technology is there. The need is there. How do we match the need to the technology in a helpful way in every step of the journey? That's fascinating. John, I, I, I could listen to you for another hour, but I'm sure you got to get back to work. And uh, I can't wait to um, can't wait to release this podcast to our to our healthcare audience, and uh, hope they found it useful as well. And I know I did. And uh, thanks for talking through some of the whole and solutions. And uh, I agree with you. Healthcare should feel human, and we should take care of those who take care of us. So, John Zimmerman, thank you so much for joining the Millennium Live podcast. Hopefully, next year you can even hop on again and then give us an update of where we're at because um, I would love that. And I'm sure our audience will too. And uh, thanks for your time. I would love it just as much. Thank you to the millennium team for all the value that you're bringing to the industry. I'm a believer. Thanks very much. 